Hello. Hello. That was weird. Yeah. I don't think it rang. <clears throat> I'm sitting here going, where's my, where's my pal Dan? And I didn't hear a ring. I, I called you a whole bunch of times. Really. I, I, I believe in you. You were not focal. And I heard no, I heard no bloop. I mean, huh. I, I don't understand that. Why? Oh, huh. mm-hmm. I don't like that. I don't like that. Not a fan. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. I um, did a little bit of preparation. We have some exciting things to talk about. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're going to talk about the Buddha and stuff, right? Uh, we, we can get, if we get there, yeah. If it, if it feels natural, if it feels oh, okay. natural to now, do I'm it. already kind of killing the rhythm, aren't I? No. By not answering your call. Know. Now, what happened? I think one thing I did was, let me go check this. I probably turned off. I'm clicking. Um, I th- might have turned off the ding-ding sound. Huh. Sound effects. No, I guess I'm not getting a ding ding. Oh, it's the optimistic day. I'm feeling good. I made myself go to bed a little bit earlier last night and I got up at a decent hour. I washed my body in the shower. Yeah. I put on some aftershave and uh and deodorant and, and I wore clothes and then I had some coffee and, and I typed a little bit. You know? So I'm not exactly sweating it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's like your nurse, like your nurses. Hey, guy, like your nurses scrubs. Um, <laughs> so I told you in my mm. super secret private text channel, where I got a couple app things. Um, would don't 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 give the answer you're going to give as your answer, but give the proto answer about whether you would like to give an answer if you don't mind. Okay. Would you want to potentially discuss the Apple event for which we had a short episode last week? Uh, in order to be able to watch the Apple event and you expressed an interest in a phone, would you want to talk about a little bit a week on about what happened at the Apple event, how you feel about I it? I would, I would love that. I love that. Okay. we got your Buddha business. I might have a little bit on resource leveling, although it's not particularly impactful as you say. Yeah, I would, um, I would like to talk about every, everything that, that you shared with me, I think should make it into the show. And I would definitely love to chat with you about, the uh, the Apple event and what decisions decisions were made, decisions hmm. were made and uh, things were purchased. So I think there's something. Oh, good! Oh, no, that there. that I can't wait to hear. You know, another thing. This is I. This is a. a, a I don't know. We don't need to talk about this, but you know, I'm sad about Jeff Bridges. I'm really bummed too. I mean, it's um, you know, I'm sending him the, the the best vibes possible. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Jeff Bridges announced that he has uh, lymphoma, but that the prognosis is good, and I'm sure he's got world-class doctors and um and he seems to be if anybody deserves to be at walter reed getting hundreds and thousands of thousands of dollars of treatment (laughs) it is the dude yes uh so i think that the dude will be fine and i'm i'm i fully expect him to be fine and um and i love him and i think he's gonna be all right i think he's such an interesting person of course he's come up a lot in the past because i don't know i mean if I when I when pressed, not like it's important, but when pressed, there's a handful of movies I will I will tell people is my favorite movie. You know, depending on the day, Godfather Two is always up there. Um, but you know, Big Lebowski is just uh, what do you say? You know, sometimes know. you man. can't say much. Yeah, I'm not gonna say a hero. <laughs> um, but um, but you know what? It's also that. So yeah, I mean, obviously, like he's he's been really cool over the years about embracing how much people love him as the dude. And he's, you know, somewhat inhabited that at different times, but also, you know, I, I just admire him. Every interview 
I've ever heard with him. He just, he seems impossibly warm. Um, or at least he puts on a good show. <laughs> but like, he, he, he seems like a very warm and thoughtful guy. And for years, I've always been interested in hearing him talk about, you know, how he does what he does. And for each character, what he does differently. Yeah. And the fact that he could do, you know, what? That he could do Obadiah Stane and the dude. All these different people, so <laughs> different, but so much still... Jeff Bridges. Uh, I really admire him a lot. He seems very humane to me. He really does. And he really comes across like he seems like the kind of person that if you were in a situation where you were getting to to know him or hang out with him, that he would be very normal and like down to earth. And mm -hmm. that seems so impossible in Hollywood to be that way, especially if you're as successful and well-known as him. But er everything I've read about him, every interview, whatever, and like you said, it could be a show, but it's it's harder to be nice than it is to be a jerk, I think, and if for celebrities. <laughs> for celebrities, you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know. I, I just really, something says that he is how he seems he would be. And I mean, he plays in bands. He's a photographer and he's taking all these cool behind the... I just think he's a he cool... He did that weird record for Squarespace. Yeah, it was so weird. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's a fool's errand to run around trying to conflate the talent of people you enjoy with their decency as a person. Um, and of course the cynical POV on that is never meet your heroes or whatever. But, right. um, but yeah, I, um, I, I just, I, I feel like th there are certain, how can I put this? Okay. <laughs> There's a great line. This is from my quotes file, my l file of quotes to always get right. There's a wonderful line. The first thing I ever heard David Sedaris do like a lot of Americans, was the Santaland Diaries. And he read that on Morning Edition in the early 90s. And he certainly obviously had a career before that. But that really, you know, when he talks about being an elf at Macy's, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. amidst being a professional apartment cleaner, um, that, you know, it's, it's so, so wonderful. But there's a line he says in that that still makes me laugh every time. So he's at this point, he's been hired as an elf. He goes through the, the, all the indignities of being the different kinds of elves at Macy's that are, it's basically just a way to make money from getting photos with Santa, but it's very organized and like corporate. But, you know, one of his jobs is, I think it's called photo elf, like, or there's line elf where he has to like go and like compliment every little kid and say, you know, if you look through the hole, you can see Santa and da 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 and you look so pretty today, you're like a princess. And there's a little, there's a little break and then he comes back and he says the following, all I do is lie. And that has made me immune to compliments. <laughs> I, I think about that, that all the time. Because, you know, I, I I don't know what it's... I've only been to Hollywood. I've been to L.A. a few times, been to Hollywood. But I don't know anything about what it's like to live and work there, really. But in, wherever you are working in a show business industry, especially a legacy show business industry, yeah, there's so much networking. There's so much, like, fake... Uh, fake friendship or like not fake friendship, but you know what I mean? The kinds of like, you know, it, if you call somebody an acquaintance, it sounds like you don't like them or you're right. not close to them. Right. But many of us, if I were, if I'm being honest, I have many more acquaintances than friends, certainly than when I was in like, you know, high school or college. So, I mean, if you're the kind of person who wants to live a sort of dignified, authentic <laughs> if you always want to kind of be the same person without having to constantly professionally code switch, it must be really grinding. 
we, I mean, I've talked endless times. Like I'm, I'm the minorest of minor people, but like how I would get so burnt out. I still get, I've tried so hard every way I can, Dan, to block emails that are sent to me by people for this program. But as recently as yesterday, yet another one slipped in. It's somebody like some, like, oh, here's a big, really, I'm bringing you a big opportunity here to have this person on your show. Why do I care? Because I don't want to become the kind of person who's immune to compliments because I lie for a living. Right, you know? right. And I get that from him. That there is, there is a same kind of thing in some ways that you get from Tom Hanks. The the thing I love about like interviews with Tom Hanks is you really you get that he is very funny and quick and down to earth. But he's also not an ass kissing like, oh my god, thank you so much, blah 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 blah. Because that's all he do all day long. He's a little bit snarky. He's got a little bit of mischief to him. And I get that from Jeff Bridges. He seems like a mensch. I mean, so get well soon, dude. I want you to abide. Yes, I want him to abide. And, and if we all send him um, the best vibes and the best feeling and stuff, uh, he, uh, I think he'll, he'll be just fine. I think we, we <laughs> but can send him the vibes we that send he him, needs. We can send him a J. Send him a J and, uh, what you day know. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> My business papers. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Send the vibes. Send the vibes. I think that's what we're doing. We're sending them the good, the best vibes ever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not an elf. Um, I mean, no, no, nothing against, you know, wow. I should take that back. That was really problematic. Um, I, I wouldn't want to work at Macy's. Is that problematic? I don't know. That, that to, you um, said that you wouldn't? I, I don't know. I mean, retail is tough. Food service is tough, but man, retail is really tough. I, I can't imagine working retail especially now, but I mean, oh God. Um, we got a lot to cover here. Can I cover, cover a couple app things real quick? Yeah. I mean, we gotta, we gotta do that. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Two app things. Um, one I stumbled across. So I have forever, I met this guy once and he was really cool. Matt Webb, really interesting guy. Um, one of those that, uh, a bunch of like, uh, I don't know, like I think of like the, the, the smart ass, tech and BBC adjacent uh, people. Um, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I learned about Matt Webb the same time I learned about like Danny O'Brien and Ben Hammersley and all of these yeah. smarty pants. Um, maybe Tom Coates. But like, you know, Matt, Matt's a really thoughtful guy and he's recently started um, blogging more at his very, um, his Mandarin of a blog called Interconnected. And this, this grabbed me. I thought this is really cool. So this is called An Overly Complex Hack for Finding Books on Cluttered Shelves. And it's in show notes, so you can go read it for yourself. But uh, he's just basically talking about, you know, wishing that there were an easier way to just know where all his stuff is. Right. You know, we're also burdened with the physical junk in the world that we bring on ourselves. But it, it was in reading this, uh, I guess, last week. Yeah. Um, that he mentions this app that I hadn't heard of. Um, so quick, quick context here. I, I, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. Like... I have come to accept and realize that the two ways I can, the two ways that I most often try to, to find out when or where or how something happened, it either involves a Gmail search or looking through my collection of photos, which seems like such a strange thing to say. But if I'm wondering last time I bought filters for my air cleaner, I mean, I'm either going to go to Amazon or I'm going to go to, to Gmail you know, or whatever to find that. You know what, you know what I mean? Or like to, there's so many things where like because we get so much weird email related to having done something, 
We have receipts for all these things. So Gmail's great for that, but I still always, often, very often use the f various photos apps to find things. And uh, he talks about uh, an app that I think is really interesting that really bubbles, that takes this from like, oh, here's a, a little weird hack we all do to like, let's, let's operationalize this. And it's an app called Memos. And I think that's in show notes too. Mm -hmm. um, so basically he's talking about how he wants to be able to just take a bunch of photos of like all the spines of his books and be able to find them. <laughs> um, there's an app in the quoting here. There's an iPhone app called Memos, quote, a private search engine for your photos and screenshots. Uh, still quoting, it indexes my entire photo library without any of the photos leaving my device. Mm -hmm. I'll come back to that in a second. It makes it searchable. So, you know, it's funny. We talked, I believe, last week or week before about Text Sniper, that wonderful way of, like, taking a photo and grabbing text out of it. Memos, basically, it sucks down all of the photos on your device and um, does OCR on them. Mm -hmm. So, if you're like, so, like, I have, this, so just, this is real weird, but, like, when I install a new HomeKit device, I take a photo of the uh, QR code not just, you know, clicking the web, the link to send it to HomeKit, but I take a photo of it because I might need, there's a good chance I'm going to need that again someday. If for some reason, like you lose that little card or it's not on the device, like how do you re-add that to HomeKit? It's kind of a pain. Right. So I always take a photo of those with something that identifies which device that is. And then I add that to a, uh, an album in photos. Uh, to to further, further nerd this out, I have a, an al uh, a folder called Reference. Inside the folder called Reference, I've got all different kinds of things that I need to locate or reuse, and that is my library. So, so on the one hand, I've already kind of been doing this for mm -hmm. years. On the other hand, you kind of can do this with Google Photos. What I love about this, and I, the reason I bring it to your attention, y'all here, is that you get the benefit of having all of your photos at your fingertips in a private way, I guess, you know, like you would with Apple Photos. Right. And you get the usually cloud-based uh, AI, OCR, whatever you want to call it. It's just that if you're the kind of person who doesn't love Google knowing the text that appears in every photo you own, it doesn't bother me that much. But if you're the sort of, sort of Apple person who enjoys that privacy, you should check this app out. I think it's four or five bucks. You install it and it takes a few uh, hours to like suck down all your photos. But now, I mean, it, it is functionally forward in the direction of finding text. So you can tweak it to say, for example, if you don't, you know, don't include photos that don't have text or, you know, do all these things. And then it indexes it all. You can bookmark different things. And it's just terrifically useful. I mean, I, I again, another thing, the first time I remember doing anything like this, which seemed very novel at the time, was I used to use my flip phone to take a photo of the parking section that I was parked in, which I thought was a really clever idea. I wrote about it on the website. Ever since then, if I get a new new device that's got like a, like a one-pager, I don't want to save the box and the instructions. I photograph the instructions. And, and once again, I didn't realize how long I had been preparing for an app like this to come along. Uh, but isn't that kind of a clever idea? Yeah, it's a very clever idea. And it's so, you know, there's so many, like... That that old stupid joke, there's an app for that, but like sometimes there are really good ones, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and this one, I mean, it's it is very functional. Um, like for example, like there was sort of a spate of um of apps that came and went over the years of like making it easy 
same way the Fantastic Cal can use natural language to create a calendar event. There have been a, a variety of apps seem to not stick around very long, but apps that enable you to do the same thing, but like with contacts, it's no fun to copy, you know, a block of like USPS approved contact information. And so what do you do? You, you copy that. Now what are you going to do? Oh, you put it in the notes field and then you onesie twosie command C command V into the right fields. That's mental. Like it's, it's normalized data. It should be easy for an app to say like, Oh, that's a phone number. It's called regular expressions. Look it up. That's a phone number. Put that in phone number, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and so those, those apps are kind of cool when they're around. This one, like I say, it, it, so it does all that indexing. You can do the searching, but then when you go to a photo, it's already kind of got this green running ants square or a rectangle around what it thinks this text you might want. And you can click that and then do stuff with it. So you can, you can just copy it right out of there, but it also does functional stuff like, is this a phone number? Do you want me to call this number? Sort of like, uh, what do they call that? Data, um, data detection mm -hmm. or whatever it's called. Anyway, right, I think where they identify what, what the thing is that you've, oh, that's a FedEx tracking number. This is a phone number. That's an address, that kind of thing. Yeah, is that what you exactly mean? exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think that's, um, stuff like this is, is so smart to me. You know, we, um, we all, I think, well, not we all, but people like me, we kind of miss the days when photos were special just because, you know, I've got, like I say, I've got 700 pictures of signs with bad grammar, but very few like photos of the actual family all looking at the camera at the same time. And back in the day when you took the physical photos and took them to the photo mat, well, they'd give you the physical photos of the photo mat. You'd always make a point of saying, okay, let's get a group photo. And I feel like we don't do that as much anymore. Um... But, like, the thing that we, uh, me and others sneered at, our own, you know, use of this to, like, capture information that's not other people or landscapes or whatever, it's extremely functional. You can have this app run on just screenshots or, like, don't include screenshots or whatever. There's all these different ways. But I really do feel like we're moving into a new age of, like, I don't know, where we should be able to have an outboard brain for containing the things that we don't want to have to remember. And I thought that was very clever. <laughs> outboard brain. Uh, I learned about that from Cory Doctorow, and it's such such a good phrase. So, memos, recommended. Can I do one more, then uh, hear about something you like? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's hear the one more. I have, um, of course, a regular feature on our show is talking about the wonderful work of Brett Terpstra. Uh, Brett, whose work has touched so much of like what I do every day. You know, whether that's MV Alt, Marked, all of his services. There's so much of his stuff that I use. And I've mentioned this before, um, an app of his that... On first glance, might seem a little obscure, but I want to really super duper double, triple suggest you look at, especially if you do anything like the sort of stuff that I do. It's called Bunch. And as, I, as we've talked about before, it's in show notes. Bunch enables you to create a text file called something, a foo.bunch. And in there, there are sing, like lines that represent functional things. Mm -hmm. An obvious one would be, so, so you say like, for example, let's say every time I do the following kind of thing, I want this app to open. So you basically, uh, you just type the exact name of the app or paste the name of the app, and that app will launch when you launch that bunch. So the, the bunch of bunch is there's a bunch of commands that you put into a file that does stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I create, so I have one called, for example, I have one called start podcast, I have one called end podcast. So when I open start podcast, that opens Skype, it opens audio hijack, it quits Dropbox, and, and you can see on this page, it, he has this amazing syntax for all the different things you can do. 
let me just give you a few of these. This is because the, the reason I'm coming back to this is he's added so much more to this from the last time I looked at it. Run an app. Close all the windows in this app. Open this file in this app. Run this key command in this app by putting it in braces. Type a string in this app, you know, putting it in brackets. Various things to do to apps. Um, launch when opening, but then ignore when closing. Quit the app, etc. Of course, stuff like you can open a URL. You can open a, a given ad hoc file um, on your Mac. Apple script command. Automator workflow. And then it gets into the really wild stuff. And this is, this is what I wanted to talk about today. Well, I do several different podcasts that have different needs. So, mm -hmm. you know, a lot, the lion's share, a lot of what I need to do can be in one bunch called Start Podcast. Uh, another called End Podcast. But like, for example, you and I do this with Skype. And a record to audio hijack, but mm -hmm. like with you look nice today, I have to open a Zoom URL and use Zoom plus a different audio hijack um, session. So he's done some really cool updates. Um, well, just get to the one. This is this is the really nerdy one that I need to spend some time with. He has a thing called snippets. So if you can imagine, sort of like an include in development. So imagine you have a common set of commands that you want to run every time you do like straightforward stuff that you want to happen every time you can abstract that out into these different snippet files and then include them so if you have one that you always want to do but you see i'm going with this like so you 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 not only can refer to a snippet um outside of a given bunch it's basically abstracting this really far and he takes it to the next level because he's got variables like you can have environmental variables that you set so that, for example, a path in a given bunch will, will match, you know, the, the, in this case, the show that I'm doing. It's really, really wild stuff. And I mean, if, if I'm probably not selling this very well, but for me, that means like there's, there's stuff I really want every time. I got to launch, launch Skype. I want to quit all those different things. But the other thing is, so, so that's, there's that. That's the, nerd, that's the super nerdy part. He's added some really cool stuff involving these variables. There's another one that I somehow lost in the lights which is, what does he call these? I think he calls them bunch commands. And a bunch command is uh, basically in parentheses. But get this, Dan. Mm -hmm. Turn dark mode on or off. Turn do not disturb on or off. Hide or show the dock. Move the dock to this area. Hide or show the desktop. That's pretty great, right? It's pretty cool. When I'm starting the show, do that. Are you ready for this? Um, when I launch this, Select this device as the audio input. Select that device as the audio output. Set a volume for any of those devices, mute or unmute. So, like, I obviously, I want to always remember to set this to my USB pre for input and output. Mm -hmm. So I do that in the start. And then with the end, I can say, change that back to my internal speakers. Really, really powerful stuff. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to jumping back into this um, knowing now about these snippets, but I would recommend people check it out. It's a, it's a really cool app. I don't even, does it cost anything? I think it's free. You know, Brett's like that. I don't know how he does it. He must make it up on volume. Um, <laughs> but this is really, really powerful it's, stuff. It's what and, they call a loss leader. Oh, I see. It's a lot. It? It's like when I see, like you put your blue jeans by the pickles on the Pepsi end cap. And then when, when people come in to buy the school supplies, you know, you end up selling a lot of Walmart. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Says pay what you can. I'm gonna send him money literally today. That's send a couple it, if you pay what you can, then that means you pay him literally everything that you have. 
Oh boy, I should have thought. I really should have thought this through. <laughs> I have almost nine dollars, so <laughs> so whatever you, how much you got? How much it cost? How much you got? Yeah, I'm gonna ask him. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna send him. He's called a radar. Now he called a feedback. I'm gonna send him a feedback. Ask him to change his graphic. I think it's a lot to ask. You know, weird, weird flex, as they say. Yes, weird, strange, strange flexes make yeah. odd bedfellows. That was uh, Melville. Yeah. <laughs> Did you want to tell me about something that you like? I would like to tell you about Teamistry. Teamistry. Which is not, I, when I first saw this, I thought it was T-mystery. I but thought the, it was Teamsters. You thought it was Teamsters? I thought it was Teamistry. It's Teamistry. And and so this is this is the thing that, let me tell you about Teamistry. Because it is a very, very cool podcast. And that's the thing is... They've they've given me I they've given me information they've given me data that I cannot share. They've given me sneak peeks into some of their upcoming episodes to give me a feel for the show, but I can't talk about those. I'm excited to listen to them, and the one that uh, that I've talked about here before is that. Well, first of all, let me explain. Let me just take a step back, uh, or as you would say, get out of the weeds and talk. Yeah, yeah big you want picture. to provide some context here. That right. This is about the changing landscape. Change, change landscape, change game as regards team. That's right. So this is a podcast that tells the stories of teams, not teens, teams who work together mm. in ways mm. that are unexpected and they achieve remarkable things. And I think it's a relevant podcast right now, my own personal opinion, because we are having to find new ways to work, whether it's Zoom or whatever. We're finding new ways to work with each other. And right now, listening to this podcast, I find it very inspiring because these are companies that said, we want to do something different. We want to do it in a new way. And the example is this, this first episode, season two, episode one. I talked about it before, but I'm going to bring it up again because I love this story. I'm a watch nerd. I love watches. It's a problem that how many I have. But back in the, from from in the 1950s through into the 1970s, Seiko, the uh, Japanese watch brand, which makes amazing watches, I've got a ton of them and I love them. They created two different watchmaking factories and set them up to compete against each other to see if they could create who could create the best movement. And the movement is the little engine of the watch. It's the thing that keeps the time and moves the hands on the dial. And uh, and so their goal was to outdo the Swiss watch manufacturers. And by by many different measurement points, you could say that they did and maybe that they still do. I'm a big fan of Swiss watches, too, but they outdid them in a lot of ways. And they did that by creating this sense of camaraderie through competition within those two different uh, factories that they both own. It's so cool. But this is kind of, they discovered the power of constructive competition and in-house R&D and all this other. So that gives you an idea of what this podcast talks about. Each episode tells a story. And in each story, there are practical lessons that you and your team and your business can take away from. And they're going to like underwater caves in Northern Thailand to figure out how divers and and uh, like soldiers freed a group of, of trapped teenagers like there's so many stories in here. They talk about COVID stuff too. It's modern. It's not all just stuff that happened a while ago. And uh, it's just really cool. And so, like I said, I got this sneak preview of season two and I think it's really awesome. And, uh, and so 
Go listen to Teamistry. And the thing is, there's not a URL to give you. Just anywhere that you go to listen to your podcast, search for Teamistry, T-E-A-M-I-S-T-R-Y. Just search for that. And, uh, and you'll find it. And, of course, we have a link in the show notes for you that'll take you uh, to, to their official page. Uh, and so that's it. So thanks very much to Teamistry for making the show possible. Thanks, Teamistry. Bok, bok. Um, so last Tuesday, which was also, if memory serves, an optimistic day, we did a shorter-than-usual show because we had to bounce because we both uh, are dinglings and uh, and uh, we're Apple Pay pigs and and we went over and uh, and watched the uh, um, what used to be the September uh, presentation, the October right. uh, iPhone event, mm-hmm. and um, I believe we talked about you being due for a new phone. Yeah, we both just like watching this as a thing. Tell me, tell me what's happened in the uh, time since, and, well, and more impressions you want to share of the event. But I'm especially curious if you saw anything you liked about uh, new phones. I did. I <clears throat> I did. And, uh, you know, the impressions of the event, I have not been ever to an Apple hardware event such as an iPhone event or an iPad or whatever. I haven't been to any of those. I've been to a lot of... <laughs> I've, 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 I've spoken at more Apple events than I've been to. <laughs> I've, I've spoken at at least three Apple events. Like the, Mac, the least... Macworld ones back in the day? No, no. Um, I was part of a presentation from Omni Group uh, at back in the day. Um, Ethan and Ken and a bunch of us did a like an Omni Focus presentation internally, and I did two talks for Apple Educational. But no, I've I've never I never got to see like a Steve Jobs talk. I've never been in any of the big sessions at WWDC. People get very very excited. And and now now they're virtual. They're making that nice Lisa Jackson lady stand on the roof, which doesn't seem safe. No, they had her go up there, and and I've read an article about that. That like she actually was on the roof. Like, well, yeah, she was really on. Did we think was there people questioning it's, that? You know, you know, Dan, you know how it's OSHA. You know, OSHA. You're you're gonna get. You're probably gonna get get a letter in your file. Don't put Lisa Jackson on the roof. La la la. Nobody puts Lisa Jackson in, on a roof. Not even the rain. Puts baby in a corner. So I thought, I thought. (laughs) (laughs) It's falling apart. It's, oh my God. What has happened to the show? It's like the end of too many cooks. (laughs) Everything just turns on itself. (laughs) So they, um, so basically they put her on the roof, had her talk about the phone and I bought one. I don't know what else there is to say about it. No, I um, love this well, format. I, I, I love the used format. To, what I was going to say, yes. Merlin, is that, yes. uh, that yes. I've never been to one of their live ones, so I can't compare the, the pre-recorded one to the live one. But there were, to me, I loved this much more than I liked watching a live one on a live stream. I'm sure being there in person is exciting and fun. And then you get the cool room where you get to do hands-on stuff. And, and -hmm. if you're famous, they take you into a back room and hand you one of them to leave with. And like that kind of thing, that sounds really fun. But as somebody who's never done that, who's only observed these as a live stream, I loved this event I thought it was much more polished, which I enjoyed. There were none of the... I really don't get into the little in-jokes about, well, I called him and we're going to go to the beach. Let me yeah, call him at the beach. we're going to take a trip. And, this don't, yeah. I don't want to see that. I don't... I, I, if they're trying to create a cult of personality in some way, it's failing. I, I, don't, I don't care. 
I only care that these people the are. Is, the, I mean, I, I like stuff like the Craig Federighi stuff. It's kind of it's fun, and I don't want to deprive anybody who enjoys that. But I think it's important to realize that you can be warm and entertaining without being totally dad jokey. I agree with that you. Stuff, that stuff really gets cringy after it a while. It does. It does. And, and then you put that alongside that. the, of course, there's going to be a game demo usually involving cars on a, running around or something. And you're like, oh God, it's just, it's, it's, it's so weird and performative. And like, it does make you think like so many things with that modern Apple, it does make you think if they are on the same page as their users, there's so many things where you're like, you know. What's worse, that, that they're out of touch and, you know, or that they're like super in touch? Like either way, why are we doing this? And th now I have to admit, I, I'm coming around. I agree with you. The, it, it's, it gives them more, this format gives them more flexibility to decide what goes in. You could ADR stuff in at the last minute and not have to worry, you know, about, um, you know, having, I don't know, it just gives you a ton of control and it's tighter and I, I have to say, I, th I think it's pretty cool when they can land that plane in 60 or 70 minutes. Yes. And, and there's, I thought it was, the, the thing I like best is when they had the sort of Wes Anderson cutaway house. Um, I appreciated that. I appreciated yeah, that, pretty wild. you know, that they did things like that. But overall, I just, I really, I liked it. And the question I always have is how far in advance did these people, things get filmed and made and and how do they keep stuff secret and i don't know like that's more interesting to me than the, the show half the time is like how do they make all that happen behind the scenes well, especially because like there's a whole in, uh, industry around trying to figure out what apple doesn't want you to know right now you know and yeah. so I, I i don't know i don't i honestly I, I i love my podcast friends so much nothing to me could be more excruciating than trying to follow guesses about hardware that will be released in a few days or hours based on a phone case <laughs> Minchi Quo saw. I know. It's like, oh my God, you're an adult. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> They're going to tell you in a couple days, buddy. Like, wh what's it called? It's called No One Cares. That, or shouldn't care. That, in, in, in a nutshell, Merlin, is why I stopped doing Apple Podcasts. It's so, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad it's out there. I, I like dipping a toe in. There are shows that I think do that very well, like I mean, podcasts. Like, I, I like when ATP talks about this stuff. I prefer the times ATP talks about it after it's been announced, and they can actually have something intelligent to say about known things. But, like, I enjoy the speculation on stuff like Upgrade. That's part of, like, why I enjoy listening to that show, but... I don't know if we need quite that many, quite that much commentary about a thing Mark Gurman heard. But anyway, no, whatever. I, the, for me, I'm being, I'm being sour. No, you're not. You're not. I feel the same way. And I think that there's an aspect to, um, to speculation that gets it gets interesting when there's something on the line. Um, mm -hmm. so well, especially if you've got like, for example, like there's a bunch of stuff I'm due for. You like what well, you're due for a phone. There's a lot of stuff that I'm due for um, or where I would benefit immediately from an upgrade. Now, my, my problem is, and the reason that I will break down and try to listen to a little of this stuff, I'll look at the Mac Rumors Buyer's Guide. Or, is that the one? I, all I ever do is type buyer guide. But there's a great buyer's guide of like, you know, based on the past, this is, it is a good, bad, terrible, perfect time to get this particular thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, like you say, I got skin in the game there. I don't want to buy a new Mac. If there's, if there's another Mac coming with a different chipset that'll like work better in the future, I don't want to be an idiot. I don't want to like, for that matter, like I want to, I want to buy a new Synology when then find out a new Synology is coming out in a week. 
So yeah, there's a benefit from like the purchasing standpoint. Plus, it's also just fun. It's fun to speculate. It's a, this is sports for people with asthma. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is if there's something on the line, like if you're betting, if there's betting involved or something, oh, which yeah. then the speculation becomes interesting because you're you're hedging bets. Like, well, wh what do you think they're going to announce? It's going to be this. No, I say it's going to be that. Now there's money involved. You're going to put your money where your mouth is. Okay. But if you're just sitting there pontificating, it kind of becomes almost like navel gaze-ish in a way. I'm like, well, I think it's going to have this chip and I think they're going to come out with these colors. Like, you're going to find out in a few days, does knowing ahead of time do anything? And I got, I'm sorry, now I get to sound sour, is I got completely sick and tired of that game of trying to, well, I wonder if they're going to come out with this and I wonder if it'll do that. And then it, they would, it, you're either right or you're wrong. And if you're right. right and then, but it also, it accretes because like you're, right. a lot of times people will frame that not as this, just a fun thing or a sports thing or a bet thing. It'll be framed more as this, like, well, how can I do dear my, do my far future punditry until I finished my mid future punditry, which requires me to do what will happen tomorrow morning punditry. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what is what are you producing out of that? What's your what's the legacy, the legacy of guessing title? Legacy of guessing title. But anyhow, they did a real good job. Uh, they got some phones coming out. Yeah, and so those high end ones sure look real pretty. So what I what I had done is I well, I had an iPhone ten that I've had uh, or you know since it came out and. We talked about how the battery is bad, and and I didn't want to. I don't want to invest any money in this phone because, you know, it's it's old tech. I don't, you know, it's one thing. Like I've got this. I've got right here the, the machine that I'm using to record us right now, is a Mac Mini. It's a late 2012 Mac Mini. It's got 16 gigs of RAM that I put in there. It's a Core i7, a quad core. It's it's fine for what I use it for, but it has. An, a, a spinning hard drive in it, not an SSD drive. Mm -hmm. Does it make it slower? I guess it makes it slower, but I'm not using it where speed matters. I'm mainly just using it to record audio tracks. But I don't trust this hard drive from late 2012 or whenever I got it. I probably got it after 2012 because this was probably that time period where they like, weren't updating the Mac minis for years. But right, it's right, right. How, the, the Mac mini is, is, remains a product in our lineup. Right. However old it is, it's older. And I don't trust older hard drives, especially when they've been spinning 24 hours a day, seven days a week for years. So I'm not trying to jinx it. I think it will be fine, but I want to put... A, uh, I want very much to put a different hard drive in it, but this is the kind where to do it, you've got to basically disassemble the whole thing and it becomes a problem. And at that point, I'm like, well, if I really yeah, it's cared, risky opening up anything to do anything. Well, I mean, most especially with like a sealed, you know, iMac or pro or whatever, but like any of these things, there's always, you have to balance the risk of like, I don't know. I'm a weirdo about this, Dan. I'm very risk averse when it comes to this stuff. It's the project manager in me. But like, what do I what do I gain from putting this putting a new hard drive into this thing? And like, what do I potentially risk even from just opening the case? Like, what if I break a tab off or something like that? I just have so many examples in my life, especially with house repair stuff, where like I went in with the best idea of making a modest improvement, and then the entire thing broke. Mm -hmm. And it's like. Mm -hmm. 
You don't want to do that. And that you know, I'm going through a similar thing right now where, like, you know, Tile, the fit, the Tile family of products. Mm-hmm. This was a really novel idea a few years ago. The idea is you get this little thing, and um, it uses Bluetooth and the Tile network. Everybody who has Tile, the app installed. So if you ever lose something, like a keychain that has a Tile on it, then the idea is that all the people who use Tile out there, it will eventually be discovered, and you will anonymously be told... You'll be told, you know, that person will be anonymized, but say, hey, you left these at Walgreens is basically what happened. Right. And it's a neat idea. It's also neat for just like, oh, where's the cat carrier right now? I don't know. Let me use the tile to find it. Dan, I, I, this has been a journey for me. I got very invested in the first-ish generation of tiles, which in a very Logan's runway would all die after a year, or the, na- the, the, the nags you get from the app at the 365-day mark are just, it, it won't stop nagging you until you replace them. Mm-hmm. They did not have a battery you can change. So right. you just buy a piece of plastic to use for a year and then throw it away. Mm-hmm. And I had a bunch of those, and I was ready to throw my, I was ready to just say, forget it, I'm done. Then they announced the Tile Pro. Tile Pro, it's louder, battery lasts longer, and you got a, a basically, uh, what is it, a, whatever, the 2032 two or whatever, like a watch battery is. So you can change your batteries. And when they send you your Tiles Pro, they also send you like a battery change so you can change it. Mm-hmm. Dan? Yes? Okay, fine, fine. I'm using the Tiles. Now, Apple has announced they're going to have, they might have, Apple's announced or we've heard, there's going to be these dinguses like a Tile. When is that going to come out? Boy, I was real curious because guess what? In the last... This is probably me because I'm stupid. There, I have out of the over, I probably have approaching over time, approaching probably two dozen tiles. And right now, exactly two of them are working and findable. I could be standing with, well, I've tried it on three different devices. I go with my phone or my iPad. I go, I stand over a, a, a previously known good working tile and I can't find it. So like, I have all this stuff. So that's an example. Now, do I want to reinvest in Tile in the same way? Do I want to like reinvest in this goddamn Wemo HomeKit bridge that's killing me and draining my energy several times a day? No. And so you, you, you go to the inside baseball pages. You find out when's Apple going to do that thing. Because you don't want to be a sucker. No. You know what I'm saying? You no. don't want to throw good money after bad. And I, I would love to never give another dollar to the Tile family of products. The thirstiest app of all time, well, next to Instacart, but I hate it. But you found something, um, you found something to love here. I, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I'll be the judge of that, Merlin. Uh, But I found something to buy. So I, like I was saying about the, the, I don't want to invest money in this older phone. I, the same way that I don't know if I should invest money in getting a hard drive for a computer that's maybe six, eight years old. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I want to move forward. And so as I've been doing more video work, youtube.com slash C slash Dan Benjamin, I've been finding that I can use the iPhone to do a lot of the actual camera stuff. That's got a fan, even, even the 10, which is, you know, three or four generations back. Um, it has a lot of use in that situation. And I remember a friend of mine, um, I think it was the 11, he was talking about how much footage he's actually doing with the 11 as opposed to with one of his digital SLRs. And I thought maybe I could take advantage of that or at the very least get a nicer camera. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I decided to go with the Pro instead of the regular 12. Oh, hooray. 
And it's the first, okay, cool. yeah. And and so you know, it was. I guess it it's roughly two hundred dollars more. And apparently, there's a lot that. Uh, and I was reading an article on the Verge. Uh, Nilai, a friend of mine, was uh, writing about how there's a lot here with the iPhone 12 that you can't quite use yet, whether it's 5G or other things that are coming out. Uh, and mm-hmm. but for me, I generally keep the phones for a long time now. I used to get one every every phone that came out, I had to get it. But now, as case in point, I just have a 10. So I'm waiting a lot longer. And I thought, well, that's fine. Maybe those things will come along in the next two or three years. Uh, if I imagine I'll still have the phone then. And uh, and so I thought that it's a little bit forward thinking to get the, the higher end phone with the nice cameras and stuff like that. So that's what I decided to do. And I decided to get the shiny blue one Instead of the Ooh, shiny black pretty. one. So, and and then there is a very interesting concept. Uh, what case do you get? Because now they have these, uh, the magnetic, the MagSafe uh, stuff happening there. And I thought, well, that's... Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of options for kitting this thing out. Well, I generally, in the past, I've always enjoyed a clear case that's what i like because i like it i am definitely the kind of person that needs a case on their phone because i need to are you I, the same? I need the battery case for it not to be drained because i like my screen nice and bright i like everything running i don't like having to economize for battery but also it's just i the uh what do i have iphone pro 11 whatever it's it's like a bar of soap it's it's ridiculous it, it, it's this, I've heard so many people, it feels like every other phone, they put out something, they change something about the texture of it, and just about every other phone is either like grippy enough or like totally slippery. And it's not satisfying to me. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I, well, so they have the silicon ones and they have the clear plastic ones. And when I was putting in the order, there's something else I wanted to mention about the order and I saw a bunch of other people tweeting about this hmm. i uh the orders started at uh C- central time 7 a.m which is not too early i'm usually plenty awake by 7 a.m anyway usually so i uh i i was ready to go and i i didn't like i wasn't panicked or rushing or anything like that i just oh right it's seven time to put in the order so i went to the page and i put put in the order and on my, uh, my MacBook pro 16 inch, I've got the little, uh, touch ID button and it Mm -hmm. asked if I wanted to pay with Apple ID, which of course I'll always do, especially with Apple. And it was interesting because it, you know, it prompts you to put your finger on the little button and I did. And it said processing, just like data on Star Trek processing, processing, Mm -hmm. but nothing Mm -hmm. happened. And I waited for about a minute or so. And nothing happened. And so I hit cancel and I tried it again. And the only thing it would show while it was doing it, you know how <clears throat> on Touch ID, it shows a little animated fingerprint that it's kind of mm-hmm. like a little red, little red, and it print. kind of fills in scanning. It just kept showing that and like over and over again. And I tried it a second time, same thing. <laughs> for for a, a purely, I mean, with the exception, I guess, of, I don't know if you have an Apple card, but every single bit of that stack is owned by Apple. You're, you're pre-ordering an Apple thing through an Apple service, on an Apple device, everything in the Apple stack is Apple. Yes, you would think it would work perfectly. It didn't. I mean, there, there are times where, like, you know, I'm doing um, Apple Pay confirmation. So, like, I have a Mac that doesn't have that. Uh, my Mac at work is, you know, obviously doesn't have a 
any way to do that. And so it'll say, okay, to complete this Apple Pay transaction, and again, I love Apple Pay. It's the only way to fly. It'll say, you know, continue on your phone or your watch or whatever. And sometimes it'll take, a, like, um, ordering something, it'll take a second. But that's bewildering. That, that's, for that to be happening with an Apple thing, you think it was volume? Yeah. Like lots of people doing it at once? I have to assume it was. But I, I, I can't think of another explanation. But the weird thing was it the way that it seemed was like it wasn't it wasn't like Apple Pay wasn't working. It was like the scanning of my fingerprint wasn't working is almost what it seemed oh, like, wow. which which I don't okay. know. So, you know what? I canceled out of that and I just use a credit card like a like a grown up. And it went fine. Mm-hmm. Like a grown-up caveman. Like a grown-up caveman with a piece of you plastic. Enter your address. Oh, I know. Thanks, Grandpa. Get a horse. So Jeez. what I what I did is I ordered the iPhone 12 Pro. I have a 256 gig uh, phone right now, and I'm at like 160, 170. So I just got the same thing. I got it in the Pacific Blue, mm. and um, and then so that was that was the easy part. The hard part was figuring out all these different cases. So I actually went up getting two cases because I didn't know which one I was going to like and because I can't see them in person. So I yeah. I did get the clear case with MagSafe and then I also got the silicone case and I got the blue one, blue one, I don't care. But I didn't know which one of these things are going to work and what I don't know that I like is that in the clear case it has the ring and the little poop dropping out of the ring under yeah. the, the symbol uh, in white. And I guess that's yeah. to MagSafe it out. But I don't know yeah. if I like the look of that. I don't know. That's that's weird. Pick a pick a lane, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I did get the MagSafe charger because who wants to plug stuff in? So the interesting thing is that the MagSafe charger is going to be delivered tomorrow. And the cases, I think, show up <laughs> today. And, of course, the That's phone all, doesn't. I always get my – well, I'm not getting one this year. But previously, when I, I'd always get a case, new case for, you know, and the phone. And it was always like a week or two earlier. It's – it's, it's bizarre. Weird. It's like sending you the keys to the car, but not the car. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's like when when Kenner sends you your certificate. Your, oh gosh, <laughs> your Star Trek figures will arrive in 1978. That happened to me with R two D two. Apparently, the R two D two toys sold out instantaneously after the movie, and I had to or, or, or like order it and send something in, and it was delivered by mail. Have I we- ordered the? I have, still have the original four. That you would send the thing into Kenner, and then they would send you the thing and say, well, they're not ready yet. And then eventually they send you, I think it was Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, and R2, I believe. Yeah. And boy, was it exciting when they arrived. I didn't break off his lightsaber for almost a week. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) impressive. (laughs) No, I'm like Obi-Wan. I'm always losing my lightsaber. (sighs) Always on the move. Mm. So anyway, that's what I got. Did you get one? (laughs) No, I don't... um, I mean, I guess I'll say this. If something catastrophic happened with my phone that was not covered by Apple Care Super Plus, I mean, yeah, I, I would get one. But I really, um, I say this with, with no snark. These are beautiful and, and they're great upgrades. But like, I'm still doing good with what I've got. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I love the cameras in the 11. I, I now use, uh, I use my iPhone along with an app called Camo to as a webcam basically to like record in zoom <clears throat> and god it's this camera is just it's so great for that with the right software but okay so no, wait this is th- this is the thing where you your iphone camera works like a webcam on your computer is that right 
camo. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, the previous one I'd used is called, uh, I think it's called Epo Cam, and it was fine. Camo. But one that came recommended from friend of the show, Matt Howie, um, who has, who knows a lot, well, being a person who works at Slack, knows a lot about remote working, and had right. written up the thing on the best, because, uh, you know, for a long time, web cameras have just been totally sold out. The ones that are included on Macs are just execrable. Um, and so he looked at a whole bunch of different ones. And so, yeah, Camo is pretty cool. You buy this app and you do attach it with USB uh, or sorry, lightning. And you, fine don't, you don't need an app on your um, on your phone, right? Yes, you do. Like a lot of these sorts, you need an, there's an app on your phone or an app on your Mac. Now, the cool thing about the app on your Mac is like, you can do adjustments and presets, I guess sort of like you would with a DAW. Yes, Marco, I'm using it right now with your Scarlet. Like you're doing the, the your business right through a GUI on the Mac rather than me having to twiddle knobs on this USB pre. Ditto here. So you can go in and do stuff like white balance, saturation, um, autofocus on or off, et cetera, et cetera, and then save those as presets. So if there's like, like if you prefer to use the selfie camera and have your screen as a monitor, you could have, you know, set all that up. And then if you're, if you're like me using the back cameras, um, you can say, do you want the wide one? Do you want the telephoto? Do you, which one do you want? Um, et cetera. And it's great. I'll put it in show notes. Camo. Yeah, yeah camo. Find show notes of episode 500 of your back to work. Right uh, you're going to go to back to work dot limo slash 500. 500 camo by reincubate. Uh, now there, there is an app notes. that I got for the specific reason of, I know I'm going to have better cameras and mm -hmm. I have, um, I have some experience, uh, with professional cameras and, and uh, not professional photography. Cause I, I, I never did anything like professionally, but there was a number of years where I was very, very into photography and mm -hmm. and had some really great cameras and l just loved it and and both my dad and my granddad um, on the other side were um, were were photographers amateur photographers but enjoyed it and loved it and uh, and so that's kind of something that I, I got interested in when I was a little boy and when I grew up eventually and had enough money to buy some good cameras and equipment and lenses I did and I still have a couple now that's what I do my my YouTube videos uh, youtube.com slash slash Dan Benjamin with um, you know using digital SLR cameras and stuff and so for me being able to have that fine tuning and control of being able to set the ISO and uh, and aperture and control things like that always seemed like something I wanted on the iPhone. And it's I not knew. as fast as the problem is it's like, it's so difficult until you can replace that button on the lock screen with another app. Yeah. Th that one's always going to win. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the built-in functionality, like with my case, I've got a right. shutter button, like right on the case. That's so, cool. I mean, I, I love a lot of those apps. I mean, I, um, what is it? Not obscure. What's the one Ben makes, but there's a whole bunch. There's like, um, Halide, Yes. And they're all they're they're all really great filmic. There's a whole bunch of really good cameras out there. Well, and, I you know, and I guess in a certain environment where you've got tons of control, it's great. But like for snapshots on the fly, I think it's difficult to beat the built-in one. Do you you call it Halide? Is that how I pronounce it? I don't it? know. Well, that's I don't know. That is the app that I got, and uh, and Very good app. I researched them and I tried some other ones before, but I thought this one was cool. What I really like about this one, and anybody who's done any kind of photography work is going to know that 
any kind of feature that you have. And this is one of the reasons why uh, both Canon and Nikon cameras, they make it so easy for you to control uh, aperture settings and, and shutter speed and, uh, and different things like that with physical buttons on the front of the camera, typically right above the shutter button. Maybe it's with your thumb, depending on which camera you're using, but it's very, very easy to, to set those. And uh, uh, you'd be shocked how little time you need with the camera before that becomes completely unconscious and automatic as far as like, you don't right. think you get into that rhythm of like doing the half press on the, to get a preview. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you're going to be... What do you, what do you call it, Dan? Chimping? What's it called? Chimping, when yes. Chimping yeah. is where you're looking at the viewfinder, <laughs> uh, the digital viewfinder, and, and jumping up and down excitedly <laughs> like a chimpanzee <laughs> instead of looking through the little... Uh, like little a gentleman. I one like a gentleman. But, but my point is, this app, for me, with just a couple of taps, you can, you can get into your ISO, you can get into your white balance, you can control the, the focus, switch from autofocus to manual focus very easily, uh, set the zoom, you can you set the... Um, uh, I mean, it's just, it's all, the, in my opinion, the app makes it very easy to do all of this stuff. So I think it was eight, eight or nine bucks, which mm -hmm. is on the expensive side of apps that I own, but I like, I like supporting I that do kind too. of app. Though. That's what I was going to say. That's not a trivial app to make. That's, that's not just a table view with check marks. Like th there's some work in that. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I really dug it. Uh, and so I, I, I bought that app I ahead of time. Um, and so I'm running it on the, uh, the phone that I currently have in anticipation of the new phone. Uh, yeah, well, it's good. You can start practicing, like sort of uh, rehearsing, getting comfortable with it. Um, I think we're running a little long, so I'll be super fast. The only thing I had to add was um, that I'm very interested in what's happening with HomePods. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I have, I have this quandary where, like, I've had a, the fancy HomePod for a while. We don't have to go into this in detail, but, like, the short version for me is that the Amazon <clears throat> uh, lady in the tube <laughs> is feels approximately six times as responsive and helpful as the Siri at least service and devices. Um, and it's, it's just, it's really frustrating because like, I don't have a single, I have a lot of uh, lady and two products. And of course, none of them sounds anywhere near as good as the home pod, but the home pod, it's just, it's, it's a fickle friend. So it's, it's so good at hearing, but it's not great at understanding. It's it's like it's like having a, a really smart friend who's really coked up, you know. It, it, it heard me, but it doesn't necessarily understand me. And if, if I do that on my watch, well, what is, what that's what that's end up doing? Even on this brand new watch, it's it's thinking, checking with the app, da, 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 going on and on. It's just it's so frustrating to have that not be a thing where I can just yell and have it work. But the quality of the speaker is fantastic. So I'm just really excited that like on there's two things that I'm very excited about because it's always two things with me. One is these new smaller HomePod, HomePod Mini. It's very enticing to me, the idea of having two of those as a stereo pair for my TV. I'm very excited to maybe think about that. But the thing that kind of slipped in the side door that people are talking about, but like, boy, I can't wait to see how this works. And that little table comparing like the regular and fancy, or like the, the fancy old one and the tiny new one. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't talk about this, did we? No, we did that you not. Can, a feature that is on the way, one feature is you can now basically say, Apple TV always use this HomePod as the speaker. 
which apparently is something you haven't been able to do. You have to reset it every time, like it's an AirPlay device. Um, but the, the thing I'm so fascinated by is if you have one or two Homes Pod coming soon by the end of the year, can't wait to see what you do with this, Dol uh, 5.1, 7.1, and Dolby Atmos support it in the old HomePod. Mm -hmm. Even one speaker <laughs> with Dolby Atmos, I cannot wait to hear what that sounds <laughs> I know, like. That'd be pretty it's cool. not out of the question. This is a crazy thing to say. If it works as well as I hope it will, and who knows, it's not out of the question for me to get a second fancy iPod because I could never in a million years sell my wife on speakers hanging from the ceiling and stuff like that. No? No, not into it. Not into it. There's, I think in a relationship, you have to know, Dan, you know, I've always said this, learn the things that only you are allowed to be right about. Be, be ready to be wrong about almost everything. Did I send you that, and, and, that matrix? The, um, the, the, um, the, <laughs> I did. Yes, I did. Um, the little grid uh, that the, the comedian did um, of, uh, did I not send you that? I didn't send it to you. I'll send it to you. Send it to me. And then uh, you'll And, and then also it. don't get into an argument about how many visible speakers there can be in a room with wires. It's called the marriage logic map. Oh boy. I, I have sent it to you. Can get in trouble to look at this? No, no, it's great. Right. I'll put in the show notes too. So I'm excited about HomePod stuff. I, uh, I want it to be great. I, uh, you know, and even if, if I'm just going to use it mostly for speakers, boy, it really is good for that purpose. You don't have to have a separate, you know, receiver and amplifier and all the old stereo things we used to have. Yeah. But I, I, it's hard for me, unless something goes catastrophically different, different and wrong than what I'm anticipating, I do see a future for HomePods in my media world, even if I don't talk to it very much. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want its language to become stunted because it didn't get enough words from me. Mm -hmm. It's so important with babies and home pods. Surround them with books. Talk to them a lot. You know, there's something, though, about the concept of wireless technology that really, really makes sense for speakers. You know, I mean, like here in my little studio where the computer that I record this on and the computer that I edit on are literally feet away from each other. It takes a couple minutes to transfer the files over Wi-Fi, even though it's brand new Wi-Fi, high-end uh, router and all that good stuff, it takes like a minute or two to transfer the files. It takes several seconds when it's wired. And so, like, yes. I try to wire stuff whenever I can. But with speakers, who wants to run wires and hire? Like, there are companies... Especially if it's full-stack Apple. Right. And I'm going to just guess it has the smarts to know... Um, when Apple TV is playing something, and this only works with Apple TV, it's not, in other words, the, the, the fancy Atmosy stuff, I have to imagine it will know to, to account for the amount of time it takes to ping, you know, the speakers, right? That it would like, that you see, so you get, I imagine it syncs fairly well automatically. I just want, when I hit play, I want every room of the house to have perfectly synced music, every single speaker everywhere. I know. I know. I, I, I used it this morning at home. I said, hey, Dingus, play Mexican Wine by Fountains of Wayne upstairs. And all of our speakers started playing. Um, <laughs> Amazon speakers started playing. It was great. Yeah. I could walk around. It gets me pumped. Let me tell you about Linode. You know, he was killed by a cellular phone explosion. I'm going to tell you about Linode right now. Yeah, that was the afternoon her heart went. Dan, tell me <laughs> what something like. I'm going to tell you about Linode. <laughs> Linode. All of my stuff's hosted at Linode. I gotta, I gotta just be straight with you about it. Um, the stuff that I do for Five by Five and 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 Fireside itself, 
uh, we use Linode because they're great. I've used them for years, and I used them well beyond the time that they were a sponsor because I thought they were really, really great, really great service. Uh, they make it really, really easy for you to build out your own cloud infrastructure. They have a virtual machine set up. So what that means is that you can deploy and scale your applications really quickly and really easily. So let me give you an idea. Um, when I need, to, if I need to create a new server, because uh, let's say that um, you know the, the service gets uh, suddenly much more popular. I'm not starting from ground zero. I can just clone one of the existing servers, throw it into the rotation behind one of their load balancers. Done. It's that easy. And I do this kind of thing all the time. They've got integrated automated backups. They've got like literally everything that you've thought of. And what what's great is there's a great community around Linode too. So if there's something that you want to set up or configure or roll out, there's a very good chance that they've already got an image that's designed for it that you can use or very, very clear, concise, step-by-step -step instructions to do it. Everything from, you know, like running a PostgreSQL server down to like running a Minecraft server. They've got tutorials for it. You can pick the version of the OS that you want to run and customize it, configure it, save that as an image, deploy it whenever you're ready. They just make it so easy to do this stuff. That's why I love it. They've got 11 global data centers with 24-7, 365 human support. They don't have like tiers or handoffs. It doesn't matter if you've got one $10 a month server or dozens of servers like we have. They give you the same great support. And they even have S3 compatible object storage. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. But if you do, that's a big deal. Um manage Kubernetes, like you name it. And here's the thing. Our listeners are going to get $100 in free credit. Wow, that's a good deal. That's a really that's a good deal. That's a lot. Uh, go to Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E, linode.com slash back to work. Click on the create free account button and you will get $100 in free credit. That could wind up being like a year of service if you use it right, uh, or or maybe less than that if you're building out a big infrastructure. But I really recommend that uh, the people check this out, lino.com slash back to work. And they also, one thing I also will mention is they now have a YouTube channel where they have tutorials and security tips and more. That's at youtube.com slash linode. But get started by going to linode.com slash back to work, and we sure do appreciate their support. Thanks, Linode. Thank you, Linode. Bok, bok. Dan, we're running a little bit long, but I think we have time at least. I mean, I got nothing to do. But, like, uh, do you want to talk about the thing you want to talk about? I do. I do. Um, Tell me what this is. What am I looking at? This is kind of a weird thing. Um, basically, what this is... Is that so? The the it's a Buddhist thing. So if that's you know people don't want to hear about Buddhist God, come on, stuff, come on. of course they do. then get out of here. But basically, hmm. this is a um, oh let me get the right URL open. This is what has has been called the the fire sermon, and uh, this is a talk that the Buddha gave at some point in history. And he was staying with at some monastery, and there was like a thousand monks in there. And he started basically talking about. He used an analogy 
describing different senses, right? We have the sense of hearing and smell and taste and the other things with touch with the body and all of this stuff. And he's basically the point of this, and I'll put this into the show notes in case someone mm-hmm. wants to read it. It Some of these older sermons or, you know, di- I think they, they read kind of weird. But the point of this is that he's talking about the path to enlightenment. And what he's saying is that there's an aspect of becoming disenchanted with something. And so he's saying, and I'm not going to read this whole thing, but he's talking about becoming disenchanted with things you see, things you hear. In other words, disenchanted with the world almost in a way, with those kinds of stimulations. Now, if you're not a Buddhist and you don't have a meditation practice and you're not familiar with these kinds of texts, you're going to kind of say, huh, I don't want to become disenchanted with things that I see. I like looking at things. I don't want to not enjoy music, which is something I hear. I don't want to not enjoy food. Like, that sounds really boring and like a downer, man. And it, <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of is. But what he, what's not, if you're not familiar with the teachings and stuff, you're going to read this and say, this is a bummer. I don't care about any of this. It's stupid. I'm going to go watch some Netflix. But... If you understand the mindset, what he's saying is really is that there is this deeper sense of peace and joy and serenity and awareness that you can achieve that is so much better, really, than all of these other things, which are really, you could almost call them distractions, right? They're kind of like distractions. And being able to make a smart decision and use discernment about where we place our attention is so important for productivity and for accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish. You can't get anything done if you're distracted. You can't get anything done if your mind is going in a million directions at once. You've talked a lot, Merlin, about getting into the zone, the productivity zone, where you don't notice the passage of time and you're creating and you're creating and it's like there's this momentum that's been built and that you are, you feel like you're moving towards something. And Mm. I, I feel like it's so easy to just, we talk about with our phones all the time, it's so easy to just pick up our phone and look at it and be like, oh, what have I just been doing for the last hour? I was just scrolling through Twitter. I was looking at Instagram or I was on whatever. You know, it's like, it's so easy and yet it's very attractive. How many of our listeners, Merlin, do you think if they were going, let's say they were going to vote and they were going to wait in line and they, it's a 40 minute line. How many of those people do you think would not pull out their phone at some point or for almost all of that 40 minute wait? Right. My thinking. I mean, if it was me, I'd be the whole time. The whole time, and that, let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. Probably me too, uh, or or most of the time. But we're I mean, not. What are you going to do? Balance your checkbook. <laughs> we're <laughs> yeah. not just doing it in line. There, we're also mm-hmm. doing it while we walk down the street, or if the conversation gets a little well, boring, or, or maybe more saliently, while there's something else that you should be doing and that you need to be doing. If you have a sort of the passionate task, the thing that you know needs to get done today, um, then everything that's not that task becomes an attractive nuisance. Because anything that will take you away from the thing you know in your heart you need to be doing 
well, that that's when you've got to like trace the stack and go like, well, how, why am I not doing this? Right. Am I going to, you know what I mean? You get into procrastination. There's all those angles, but yeah. I, well, let me ask you this. Um, I'm trying to read this and I, yeah, it's kind of weirdly worded. What do you take disenchanted to mean in this usage? You know, in this, in this context, I would say disenchanted means that you, you no longer get anything out of it, that it's not providing you with whatever kind of temporary pleasure or endorphin rush or whatever it is that you would get out of it. And right. So, so, so contrasting a flame with disenchanted, a flame being, and so you got to read this, uh, this weird thing to understand this, yeah. but the idea would be like when most of us walk around getting on a slow boil from all these things that, that get our attention. And then what he's saying, what he's saying here is uh, seeing thus the well-instructed disciple of the noble ones grows disenchanted with the eye disenchanted with forms, et cetera. Whatever there is that arises in dependence on contact, the eye, da, 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 with that, he grows enchant- disenchanted. Right. And so, so that means you're not going to take the bait. So you're not going to take the bait is a great way to say it. And what's also happening in there is that whether you realize it or not, if you are attracted to or attached to or enchanted by those things, you're never really going to get enlightened, which is what the Buddha is always talking about. But put into more practical terms, these things become distractions that take you away from things that actually matter. And so much of what we do with our time, we're spending our time and our thinking and our thought processes on things that, let's be honest, don't really matter. They don't matter that much. But there's one quote in here that's always been one of my favorite quotes of, from the Buddha. Because it's so, he's describing, for all intents and purposes, how he felt after he became enlightened. And so you would think that, for people who don't know the story of the Buddha, he spent many, 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 many years going through, uh, the, like... He'd, ha- he'd, he'd grown up as a prince, having a, a life of absolutely, he basically got anything he ever wanted, the second that he wanted it but he still wasn't happy. And he became an ascetic where he basically would eat like one piece of rice a day and like was emaciated and you could see his spine through the front part of his body. He was so thin like there's, and he did all of this and because he was searching for a path to enlightenment and he eventually found one and what he found, his path was eventually called Buddhism. Uh, that's when the when the apple fell on his head. <laughs> then he understood gravity. That's what S- happened. Sitting under the William Tell tree. That's mm-hmm. right. And <laughs> as a process of going through this, he realized you don't need to do all that stuff. But there is a there is a path. He didn't say that Buddhism is the only path to enlightenment. He said it is the only direct path to enlightenment, and that's an important distinction to make. But the point of this is, listen to what he says, listen to the Buddha's celebration after the culmination of his life's work to finally become fully enlightened on his own, and the difference between a Buddha and an Arhat in in the uh, in Buddhist terms is somebody who is also enlightened. A Buddha discovers the path of enlightenment, and you only have one Buddha per age meaning eventually oh, it's like, a, like a master versus an expert kind of yes eventually buddhism will be lost on earth we will forget it it will become lost and hmm. it will then be rediscovered by the next buddha who is not oh, taught so like okay. if you became enlightened by following buddhism you would not become a buddha you're not a buddha you are 
an enlightened person who followed the teachings of the I, Buddha. I know, I know the Buddha. I work with the Buddha. <laughs> That's right. Believe me. That's right. You are no Buddha. But here's what he says. Here's what he says when he is... Uh, when he has been fully released from all of these distractions, he has become fully enlightened. He says, birth is ended because, okay, you're talking about rebirth, the samsara, the constant rebirth of birth into suffering and this endless cycle of lives that we are in, according to Buddhism, that we are repeating, repeating, repeating. Birth is ended, the holy life fulfilled, the task done. There is nothing further for this world. Out. Wow. Mic drop. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's out <laughs> ha, because basically he had become enlightened and be, this is how disenchanted he is with stuff like that it doesn't it's not even like yeah okay i'm done now now i'm done mm-hmm. and you would think that there would be some kind of celebration but there's no need for that anymore he's past that point and that's what what is so just really always strikes me but that's the indication you know, when you break up with somebody and you like hate them for a while, like mm-hmm. you're not really hating them. You're still kind of loving them, but mm-hmm. it becomes something different. Human it's, beings tend to confuse their strong emotions. Right. But if you feel nothing, you're like, oh, I guess I'm finally over that person. I don't feel anything anymore from when I see them. That's, that's kind of the essence of this, but that's the way that you need to feel about these things in your life that are distracting you is if you're struggling with not pulling your phone out of your pocket when you're in line then you've got more work to do. And I don't know, this just struck me as something that that kind of felt back to workish to me, and I, mm-hmm. I wanted to see what you thought about it. Yeah, I mean, I have to think about it more. I don't, like I say, the, the language in this is a little little confusing to me. Yes. But, well, you know, even if I, maybe, I don't know, I'm not really a Buddhist, maybe I'm a cafeteria Buddhist. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I'm like a cafeteria Catholic. Like the kind oh, of person yes. who says, well, I'm going to do this, but not that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to eat burgers on Fridays, and... That kind of thing, but um, but I always feel like, and, and maybe this works at cross purposes with what Buddhism is intended to do. But it's always been interesting to me when you talk to different people about Buddhism, and you and I have locked horns a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. You're much more learned than I am, but uh, this might seem like a semantic, um, uh, the semantic distinction without a difference. But two does one. This is a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Um, does one look at Buddhism as a religion? Does one look at Buddhism as a spiritual endeavor? Does one look at it as a psychological framework or an ethical um, sort of codex? Right? Right. It depends on how you look at it. You can, I feel like there's valuable things to draw from it. And just because you're not totally bought in on reincarnation doesn't mean that you can't learn something. Um, from the idea of uh, dukkha, mm-hmm. right? Or, or like, you know what I mean? Just the idea of like when we say suffering, well, it depends on the translation and this and that, but like there's still stuff. Not so different in some ways from getting things done. If you learn nothing else from getting things done, but how to do outcome-based thinking and next actions. Right. David Allen would disagree, which is totally his right. It's copyright David Code 2001. doesn't mean there's not stuff you, you can't take away. And I think sometimes because uh, the more religiously spiritual part of this focuses on things that seem a little woo-woo to a contemporary American, you know, when we talk about things like, you know, enlightenment and, you know, no matter what you do, you're doing it wrong kind of approach Mm -hmm. to this. And, you know, there's silence in the noise and noise in the silence and, you know, chocolate in my peanut butter. And you're like, can I just get some tips on getting my work done? 
Um, so I, I don't know. I have to think on it. But like I do one thing, a consistent theme that runs through a lot of Buddhist thinking anyway. Boy, there's so many different kinds. I don't know. Just just an idea of trying to see something that's actually there that, rather than what you think is there. I don't know if that's officially canonically considered like a great Buddhist insight, but like we cause ourselves so much suffering and we cause others so much suffering by guessing that we, what we see and what we understand is, is what the world is. And I'm always buoyed by anything that says, that slaps you across the face and says, look, get it together. This is this. It's not that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that's, but this is this. And so oh, ideas like that are, are, are very interesting to me. You know, I think one of the I'm things sure that... There must be Buddhist productivity books out there. There's Buddhist everything. Buddhist greeting cards, yeah. Army Navy store, yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Yep, yep. You know, one of the things I think that is used to define what is a religion is, uh, at least in my experience with it, one of the things that I see is that there has to be a component of faith. And there are... I remember hearing a really interesting talk about Buddhism where they were talking specifically about what you just brought up is, is it a religion? Is it a, a mindset? Is it a mentality? Is it something else? And one of the things that the, the person giving the talk, it might have been our, our buddy Gil, um, who was talking about it, was saying it, it does qualify as a religion. It's more than just a philosophy. It's more than just... Um, just a, a a way of life, because there is a component of faith, although that's not something that's talked about a lot. Exactly. In he, he said as much. It's well, the things about religion, like what's religion versus God? Like you can get in some great arguments with your very rational friends, hmm. your, your Reddit friends about that. Like, you know, um, but like, I do think there is a distinction. There's a distinction between believing that there is, there are, there's this power greater than me in the universe. And that's very different from saying that you can only take communion this particular way. Right. In the more like kind of internecine um, sort of arguments we have. But another thing that, and this is not a slam, but yeah, at least in Christianity, faith has a big role. It strikes me that in Judaism, ethics has a big, mm -hmm. bigger yes, role. Yes, I agree. Very ethical, like rule-based system. These are the laws that have, helped us survive for all these years. But the other little distinction is like, is like Christianity and other Judeo-Christian faiths, is it about faith? Yeah, but it's also about agreeing to follow the rules. Mm -hmm. That's, it's so important. Really what it comes down to in some ways, what makes this denomination of this religion different? Like, can everybody out there, like, give, please don't do this. Can you give me the rundown on the difference between a Baptist, a Lutheran, a Presbyterian? This sounds like the setup for a joke from 1979. But like, there's a lot in common and a lot not in common. My religion as a kid was called Protestant or non-denominational Protestant, you know, sort of like Church of Christ, that kind of thing. But the thing that keeps all of them, all of them, whether it's it's a club or a religion or whatever, is like a team is following the rules. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to follow the rules, it's going to be hard to fit in on the team. And the irony to me is that if you try, if you take things away from Buddhism that are not strictly religious... I mean, isn't part of the idea that, like, you've got to go find your own thing? I can't, don't, you know, <laughs> as the Zen parable says, you look at the moon, not my finger. Right. Yep. Yeah. And figure it out. I just, you know, it's, it's interesting. This is interesting. It's very interesting. And except now I've really put my head very firmly up my ass. And you still have one more thing to tell me about that you like. I would love to tell you a little bit about LinkedIn Talent Solutions. LinkedIn Talent Solutions. LinkedIn That's Talent Solutions. 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 You do that. Um, you know, small, th you? this is mainly geared toward the small business owner because small business 
needs are really evolving. They're changing right now. There's a lot of uncertainty going on, but that doesn't change the fact that small businesses like mine, uh, they it's, it's more maybe more important than ever to have the right people on your team, right? I mean, this is the thing that, that you need and you've got to get this right. So if your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. And I checked this out. I looked at the, it's the LinkedIn jobs platform and it is very, very cool. And it makes sense. So many professionals are already using LinkedIn. They're already there. There's more than 706 million members worldwide. Why not go to where they already are? They're there. And that's, that's what makes this so easy. Getting started is easier than ever. There's great features that help you find qualified candidates really, really quickly. You can manage job posts. You can contact candidates from one view on LinkedIn.com that you already know. And all the functions are being streamlined just into this one screen now. So you don't have to go searching for it. And that, for me, that's key. Make it easier to use. I'll use it more. It's that easy. And, of course, you can do this all from your mobile device now. It's just so cool. They even have this, um, one more thing I want to mention is they have this rating mm -hmm. system that helps you get your job in front of the more qualified candidates. They've thought of everything, and it's all about helping you find the person that you're looking for faster. So when you're all ready to make that next hire, you're going to find the right person. This is the place to do it, LinkedIn Jobs. And you can pay what you want, and you get your first 50 bucks off. To learn more about that, go to LinkedIn linkedin.com slash back to work again linkedin.com slash back to work you'll get fifty dollars off your first job post i have to say that terms and conditions apply so go check those mm -hmm. out but thanks very much to linkedin it's linkedin.com slash back to work 50 thanks, bucks LinkedIn off. talent solutions buck buck hmm that's a long one mm -hmm. she said um <laughs> on that sublime note uh -huh. <laughs> of Buddhist grace. Yes. Um, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. Happy anniversary. You too. Yeah.